0: I'm Gary and this is episode 97 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today we'll be getting philosophical about charging speeds. Is there a right charging speed? Why do we care how fast our EV charges? And doesn't it all depend on the charges anyway? Before we start, I wanted to bring you up to date with where we are with the end of season roundtable. I've approached several people, including a well-known presenter for a top rated EV and renewable YouTube channel. Three guesses. And I've received tentative yeses from these people. I'm also awaiting a reply from a representative from a DNO to come on and talk about connecting charges to the network and what that involves. Obviously, this is all timing dependent, so I can't give any names yet, but I'm excited about what might happen here. A big thank you also to Sean, who is FC Fanboy on Twitter from the Dorset EV Group, for the welcome at their first EV meet of the year last weekend. I think the weather limited appearances by several people, but if you were strong enough to brave the early rain and winds at Portland Bill, it got better and the sun actually came out. I'd also like to welcome the patron Asir Khalid, who joined recently. Thank you for your support. Much appreciated. Our main topic of discussion today is around charge speed. We've talked about charge speeds before when we were covering cadence charging. Sometimes it's easier to charge more times, but for shorter stints. The underlying implication of cadence charging, though, is that you have a car with the right charge speed capability for the chargers you're using. A week or so back, I gave you my thinking behind getting a new electric vehicle. I said at the time that there were two main criteria it needed to fit. It had to have a longer range than my current EV, and it also had to have good charging speed. At the moment my Kia Soul can charge at up to 80kW. For a car with a 30kWh battery like mine, that's very quick. In fact it's quicker than both the newer model 64kWh Soul, the high end icona, the Kia e-Niro and the electric MG range amongst others. Remember this is in a car that was designed and released about 6 years ago. Earlier EVs were generally limited to relatively slow charge speeds for various reasons, one of which was that there weren't enough chargers around that allowed fast charger speeds. The i3 is limited to around 50kW, the early Leafs were similar and the Renault Zoe could do 43kW maximum on an AC charger. But you'd think that with the more modern and up-to-date cars coming out the charge speeds would be a lot higher than that. Unfortunately that's not always the case, in fact in many cases it's quite the opposite. Many newer cars out there have a much slower charge speed than my car. The Mazda MX-30 will top out at a paltry 37kW maximum charge speed and the Lexus UX300E charges at 35kW on a CHAdeMO connector. Even sexy new cars such as the Honda E will only charge at 56kW maximum and that's even on a 150kW DC charger. So is charge speed a major factor when looking at electric cars? Obviously it's a consideration for me, personally, but am I making too much of this? Well, charge speed is a function of two different factors, the car itself and the charger you're using. As I've already indicated, even if a charger can provide 350 kilowatts of charge speed, a car that's limited into what it can receive will still charge slowly. The MX-30 averages 34 kilowatts of charge speed regardless of what speed of charge you're on. Likewise, a car that can charge at 250 kilowatts would be limited to 50 kilowatts of charging if it's on a 50 kilowatt charger itself. At the moment, according to ZapMap, the number of chargers that can charge above 50 kilowatts is dwarfed by the number that charge at 50 kilowatts or less. In fact, there are over 17,000 chargers with a charge speed between 7 kilowatts and 99 kilowatts and only 1,100 that charge higher than 99 kilowatts. And I can guarantee that the large majority of those are actually Tesla superchargers. Finding a statistical breakdown for charges of 50kW and above versus 50kW and below is a lot more difficult, but from personal experience, I know that there are lots of legacy units sitting at 50kW charge speed. As the rollout of new chargers proceeds at pace, you can be assured that the number of chargers that will be available with speeds above 50kW will increase, but we don't really want to get rid of the 50kW chargers just yet either, and there's a reason for that. You see, another factor to bear in mind with 50kW chargers... Is that cars that charge at higher speeds can make better use of slower chargers. A BMW i3, for example, will charge around 43 kilowatts on a 50 kilowatt charger, building slowly to peak at 50 kilowatts at about 85% state of charge, from where it will slow down dramatically to preserve the battery. Whereas an Audi e Tron will charge at a constant 50 kilowatts, right up to 100% on that same charger. The Volkswagen iD3 and presumably the ID4 will charge at 50kW on a 50kW charger right up to about 82%, where it too will drop to preserve the battery. Same for the Jaguar I-Pace. But again, this isn't common for all cars with high charge speeds. Vauxhall's Mokka E has a maximum charge speed of 99kW, but stick it on a 50kW charger, and it'll do 50kW charging, but only up to about 65%, from where it will gradually step down to about 14kW at 85% state of charge, which is really quite slow. The benefit of accepting a higher charge speed on your electric vehicle is that you can go to the newer high-powered chargers and take advantage of them. I'm sure everyone has seen the footage of Robert Llewellyn at the grid surf charger in Braintree charging the Taycan at 250 kilowatts. Very impressive. Uh, Tesla owners will wax lyrical about the fact that their cars can access the 250 kw superchargers. Although, in reality, not all superchargers are at the 250 kilowatt maximum, mostly are 150 kilowatts. But that's still very fast, though. With the recent announcement from GridServe about their proposed rollout of the GridServe electric highway hubs at motorway service areas, the number of high power chargers available will definitely increase. So it means that if your car can charge above 50 kilowatts, you're in the good seats. But what this does bring into play is the charge curve. We've talked about charge curves on earlier episodes, but it's worth going over them again very briefly. Each make of electric vehicle has a predetermined profile under which a battery can be charged at a given charger. And this predetermined profile provides the maximum potential charge speed under ideal conditions at any given state of charge. While everyone would like to plug their car into a 350kW charger and have 350kW pumped right in from beginning to end, this is potentially damaging to the battery. It heats the battery up, which is not what lithium-ion batteries want unless you can dissipate the heat really quickly. Again, Tesla have mastered the art of heat dissipation, so they can accept higher charging speeds for longer. Come on everyone else, catch up. So, in order to protect the battery, charge speeds are managed via a charge curve. Even the granddaddy of them all, the Porsche Taycan, has this issue. It can, in theory, reach up and above 250 kilowatt charging on the appropriate charger. But even then, it doesn't hold this speed over a long period of time. Looking at the Taycan's charge curve, it'll max out at 262 kilowatts when the state of charge is only at about 30%. But after that, it starts to step down to lower charge speeds over time. Between 30 and 60%, it's at 200 kilowatts. Between 60 and 70, it's 160 kilowatts. Between 70 and 78%, it's at 120 kilowatts. After that, it drops through the floor relatively to protect the battery and allow the heat to dissipate. The charge curve therefore mandates the maximum charge speed at each state of charge. It doesn't matter what the maximum charge speed is or what the unit can deliver. If the charge curve says you'll only get 80kW at 50% to state of charge, you'll only get 80kW maximum. And remember, these charge curves only exist under ideal conditions. If you've left your car out overnight in sub-zero temperatures and the battery's cold, you won't get the maximum charge speed regardless of what your charge curve says until the battery's had time to warm up. I recently stopped at an Instavolt charger at Corfmall and expecting a nice quick charge. But it was a cooler, wet day and I'd been behind slow moving traffic for quite a while. The battery was at around 50% and quite cold. So when I plugged in, I was pulling about 225 kilowatts maximum. And this, as I say, is on my car that can pull 80 kilowatts on the right charger. That's why Tesla now has preconditioning. This is where you tell the car that you're navigating to a supercharger. And it starts a small heater to warm the battery to the ideal temperature to take the maximum speed as you approach the supercharger itself. With a warm battery, the charge will just go right in there like a boss. And as I mentioned a few seconds ago, the battery will then cool down as soon as the charge is complete to minimise degradation. And that's the elephant in the room when it comes to charging. Degradation. We've all seen smartphones that have been charged every night for 18 months suddenly stop powering the phone for a day and start needing a recharge just after lunch. The charge just seems to seep out quicker and quicker. If you check in your settings, you'll see that the health of the battery is degraded. My iPhone 6 is currently running at around 80% state of health. And that's because there's no battery management system or battery cooling on a smartphone. So the constant charging and discharging will degrade the state of battery quite quickly. Now, when you've got a new iPhone battery that can be bought for around £25 off Amazon, it's not a major issue. When a new battery pack for a car can be in the region of £10,000, as it is for some Teslas, it becomes more critical to ensure it lasts as long as possible. And that's why EVs have battery management and heat management systems to maintain battery health. And that's why every car has a charge curve. But what's the impact of different charge speeds on a journey? Exactly how much slower is it to charge on a 50 kilowatt charger than a 100 kilowatt charger, for example? Well, that obviously depends on the charge curve. But using a better route planner, we can make an attempt at calculating this. In a better route planner, there is an option if you choose the new Skoda Enyaq 60 to calculate uh, distances and routes using the basic 50 kilowatt charging or the full charging capability of the Enyaq 60, which is 100 kilowatts. The charge curve for the Skoda is flat at 100 kilowatts from 0 to 30% with a gradual decrease to 50 kilowatts at 70%, then a steep drop at 80% down to around 20 kilowatts. So let's look at a journey from Brighton to Glasgow and plug the figures into better route planner. With the Skoda Enyaq with the basic 50kW charging the journey time is 10 hours and 27 minutes for 466 miles and that includes 4 charge stops for a total of 2 hours 37 minutes. With the Skoda Enyaq with full speed charging up to 100kW the journey time is 9 hours 38 minutes for 472 miles and that includes 5 charge stops for a total of 1 hour 53 minutes. The 6 mile difference is because we're navigating to slightly different charges with higher charge speeds. So the ability to charge at a higher speed will cut around 50 minutes off a 470 mile journey. If you're in a hurry to get somewhere, that 50 minutes could make all the difference. If you go in there anyway and believe the journey is part of the the destination, then 50 minutes might be a price you're willing to pay for slower charging. So do you need faster charging for your EV? Well, the short answer is no. The long answer is it depends. If you're one of those with home charging who rarely travels beyond the range of your car and is happy to plug in your Type 2 cable overnight, then it really doesn't matter how fast your car charges. You don't need it. Plug in before you go to bed, wake up to a full battery. Magic. If you're also someone who regularly charges your car up on public DC chargers but you only use 50 kilowatt ones, for example, some of the older BP Pulse ones, the Podpoint ones, some of the Osprey ones and generally the Instavolt ones, then the charge speed is, again fairly irrelevant you'll get something around 40 to 49 50 kilowatts on those units if you're someone with a vehicle that can only charge at a maximum of 50 kilowatts then rapid charging at high speeds isn't really available to you so you don't need it that's your i3 drivers your early leaf drivers your mazda mx30 drivers and similar but if you've got a larger battery and you're regularly doing multiple public charges on units with the potential to provide a high power charge then you're going to want a faster charging car to take advantage of that power. But that then raises the prospect of another aspect of rapid charging that's starting to become more and more prevalent. Blocking rapid chargers. Here's the situation. You're in a Porsche Taycan on a long distance run. You find yourself at, for example, the BP Pulse Mini Hub in Hammersmith. The 450kW chargers there are being used, and the only charger available is the old 50kW unit that they have there from the original install that's fine, you think, I'll use that. But it's then that you realise that a Mazda MX-30, which can only pull 37 kilowatts, is sat on one of the 150 kilowatt chargers next to you, whereas you, in a car that can pull the 150 kilowatts, are having to sit on a charger that will max out at a third of that speed. Not ideal. But that's a completely different discussion, which goes alongside the one about plug-in hybrids that can only charge at 7 kilowatts using a DC rapid charger instead of charging at home. How can we deal with that? I think that's a topic for a different podcast. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. InstaVault have an app. Yes, I know we don't really want more charging apps and everything should be contactless and simple. Well, with InstaVault it is. It's contactless, it's simple, swipe and pay, no problem. They're number one in open charging networks for a reason. But the app also lets you do a couple of things that are quite nice too. For a start, you can initiate and terminate a charge on the app. Just find the charge your app, slide the icon for the appropriate connector to the left to start. It doesn't cost any more, it means you can start and stop your charge from inside the car, which is great when it's wet, believe me, and if needed you can get VAT receipts from within the app as well. Now because this is a connected world, there's also a referral scheme. So anyone who gets the app and uses code VI7UM, Victor India 7 Uniform Mike, will automatically get a £5 credit for them and £5 for the EV Musings account. Head to the App Store or Google Play and search for InstaVault. You know it makes sense. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at musings_ev. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, you are subscribed to the newsletter, right? Please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So you've gone electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, preferably five stars as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and you're still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at Musings EV with the words Faster, Better. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. Just thanks this week. As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.